0: Now, fight back with Libby Snymer on Zuber Radio with guest host Jane Brown.
1: It was a heartbreaking story that we brought to you early last month. The case of 86-year-old James Acker, a resident of St. Joseph's Villa Long-Term Care Home in Dundas, Ontario. He has dementia. And he was beaten in his room by a fellow resident. It's a story that's received the attention of the provincial NDP seniors and long-term care critic, Teresa Armstrong. And she is bringing the story to the Ontario legislature today, where she's calling on the provincial liberals to make long-term care safety a priority. James Acker's daughter, Tammy Carbino, was on with Libby to tell her father's tragic story after it happened. And while on the way to the Ontario Legislature this morning, she joined me for a conversation on the phone. I asked Tammy how her dad is doing. Uh, Tammy, first and foremost, uh, how is your dad doing?
2: He, all of his bruises have healed and the bleeding in his brain has stopped, thank God. Um, emotionally and psychologically, he's not doing as well. He's very depressed.
1: Does he have any recollection of what happened to him? I know he has dementia. Um, is does is there any memory whatsoever of the horrible experience?
2: Um, we're not sure. He has definitely had flashes. He he does have moments of lucidity. Um, and he has talked about, especially when he had the bruises on his hands, he made comments like this, that man did this to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't heard him talk about it lately in the last two weeks, I would say. Um, but, you know, he, and he doesn't understand why he's in the hospital. And that is upsetting to him that he's sort of confined to a bed
1: so, and what is the situation in terms of where he his, his recovery and where he's going to go following recovery in hospital? Yes,
2: yeah, so he's currently in the hospital still. It's been six weeks. Um, we are working with CCAC, who are the gatekeepers to the long-term care homes, and we are now on a list for a new home. We've, my mom and I have gone and toured uh, approximately about 10 other homes in the area, Um, We just got crisis status, which means that he's considered a crisis situation, so it will help to expedite um, his move into a home faster. However, we've been told that he could wait three to six months in the hospital.
1: How uh, has your relationship, what has happened with your relationship with St. Joseph's Villa Long-Term Care Home since uh, your dad was attacked?
2: We no longer have a relationship. We met with them. They presented a proposal to us. The proposal was um, to move my father into a non-secure unit where he would be among the healthier population where they felt that he would really thrive. We, we did like that proposal and were willing to give it a try. However, it would have been a seven-day trial And then the following day, my mother spoke to um, Jennifer Banks, the head nurse there, and she retracted the offer and said there are no beds available in the non-secure unit. So my father would have had to return um, to the same room where the attack took place in the secure unit, and they could not guarantee that his attacker would not be returning. The following day, we moved him out of the villa.
1: That was the best they could do for you?
2: That's correct.
1: And what about the investigation? Uh, when we last spoke, uh, long-term care, Ontario long-term care, was going to be investigating the incident.
2: Right. As far as I know, I have not heard from them in the last couple of weeks. So, as far as I know, it's still ongoing. I was in touch with um, the health, the Ministry of Health, who was the investigator who was conducting the investigation, and we gave them some additional information. Uh, about the villa, some experiences that we had and some information that we had been given from other families who had reached out to us, especially about my father's attacker, who apparently did have a history of violence and had had punched other residents in the face. That's what we were told. Um, And the ministry was surprised to get that information. And they sort of just said, that the investigation's ongoing and they are getting mixed reports.
1: Today at Queen's Park, uh, the NDP senior and long-term care critic is standing up and asking the government about long-term care safety. What will this question involve? What What do you hope comes out of today's announcement?
2: Well, I hope that, you know, this issue is going to be taken seriously and really investigated because, to my surprise, after touring 10 more homes, every home, with the exception of one, told me that this very same incident that already occurred that happened to my father could very well happen within their facility. And that's absolutely frightening.
1: And if it's happening or the possibility of it happening at that facility, presumably the same scenario could be playing out at any number of Ontario long-term care homes.
2: That's correct. I mean, there were 3,250 cases reported last year of elder abuse within long-term homes to the Ministry of Health. Now, I should mention that that does include um, all types of abuse, sexual abuse, financial abuse. Um, as well as physical, whether it be coming from the health practitioner, a PSW, or resident to resident, but that's 32 hundred. That's 3,250 cases too many.
1: Uh, the NDP MPP, uh, the critic, the seniors and long-term care critic, Teresa Armstrong. She's obviously on side um, in terms of bringing her on and and helping your advocacy and your and your mission. Now that this has happened to your dad. Uh, do you see change as a result of this? What is Teresa telling you?
2: I haven't spoken with Teresa today. I will be meeting with her for the first time today. Okay. I'm very excited and I'm very hopeful.
1: That there will be some sort of response and, and call to action. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Any indication of what the Liberals, how they will respond?
2: I have no idea how they'll respond unfortunately I it, it, it doesn't seem to be a concern for the Liberals they um, keep talking about the um, you know amount of money the number of dollars that they're throwing at this but nobody really seems to be accountable at this point the home the homes blame the government the government blames the homes. <laughs>
1: Well, we thank you uh, for continuing to bring this issue to light, especially when you're dealing with the recovery of your beloved father. So we wish you all the best and and look forward to further updates, Tammy.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Tammy Carbino, daughter of 86-year-old dementia patient James Acker. Many of us, including myself, have loved ones in long-term care facilities. It's an experience we share as Zoomers, as our parents, our in-laws are getting older. Do you have concerns that your parents' safety may be at risk? 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. Have you seen situations at long-term care facilities in Ontario which would be cause for alarm? 416-360-0740, 1-866-740-4740. Or maybe you've had a very positive experience. We want to hear about those as well well. Joining us on the line now is Jane Meadis, lawyer for the Advocacy Centre for the Elderly. Jane, welcome. Thank you, Jane. Tell us about the clients you represent, how your work is making a difference.
3: So we uh, represent um, clients uh, from across Ontario, um, specifically uh, with respect to long-term care homes um, and some of them with similar kinds of complaints. Uh, We uh, assist them with making complaints dealing with the homes. Uh, We also work uh, directly on different uh, committees uh, making recommendations to the government, uh, to the long-term care division, trying to um, make positive changes to protect all citizens who are in long-term care homes in Ontario.
1: You've been following the story of James Acker, and now there's a call for legislation to improve safety of long-term care residents. Uh, Tell us first, is this story of James Acker an unusual isolated case, or is there cause for alarm?
3: I would not say it's particularly isolated. I think perhaps the severity um, and obviously the attention that it's getting, but we hear cases of um, assaults within long-term care on a fairly frequent basis. It's hard to, you know, hard to sort of quantify that, but it is not an unusual call in our office that a uh, family would call to say that a loved one has been assaulted, and trying to figure out what to do is very difficult.
1: In your expertise, why is this happening?
3: Uh, well, part of it is that there is, you know, even though the government says that they've thrown, you know, lots of money at it. Um, the money is i would agree is not accounted for so there are not specific dollars that deal with the safety there are things like behavioral support ontario and different programs that will come in and try to deal with behaviors but on the day-to-day ongoing basis uh... those funds do not sort of filter down and what we do know is that the population is getting older frailer and a lot more dementia so you are getting more people who because of their dementia have become violent, and we have very few units in Ontario that can handle that. And, in fact, the one in Ontario closed um, because the province wasn't funding it properly. Um, So most people end up into a long-term care home, into what we call usually it's a secure unit or something like that, but there isn't any extra money for that unit. We only have about five now uh, specialty units for behavioural. Um, And, you know, someone like in this situation where there seems to have been a history and probably should have been maybe in a mental health facility, mental health facilities will only take them for assessment. They will very rarely admit them. And so we we really download everything into this long-term care home and mix them all up and do not provide the training or the services or the money to care for them properly.
1: That's a good point, too. Mental health facilities, uh, what do they have that long-term care homes don't have in terms of being able to deal with this aggressive behavior?
3: Well, so certainly they uh, long-term care homes are, you know, basically managed by nursing staff. Um, There obviously are physicians that come in. On a regular basis, but they are not on site but they 're basically managed by nursing staff um, but the day to day ongoing care is by personal support workers who have very difficult jobs um, but who don't they're not regulated staff they don't have the training they don 't have the nursing expertise necessary um, a A mental health facility has a better ratio first of all so in in long term care staff to resident ratio probably one to fifteen and today. Up to maybe 1 to 30 at night um, and often these things do happen at night when they are sh- have less people on staff um, and again it's the less you know it's a personal support so work, support worker whereas in, in a hospital there may be a you know 1 to 2 1 to 4 1 to 5 ratio so a much better ratio of actual nursing staff plus other staff um, involved uh, the settings are usually different they're not usually shared rooms which often causes a problem Um, they have a lot more tools that can deal with these issues um, rather than, you know, if you have 15 people, all of whom might be aggressive, and you're trying to change, you know, Uh, incontinence products and and make sure people are where they need to be and people are getting in and out of bed at night. Uh, How do you manage that if you are one person on the floor with 30 people?
1: Right. And if you're a personal support worker, uh, you would be concerned about your own personal safety as well in in trying to handle these situations. Mm
3: -hmm. Yes. And often, uh, you know, they're not um, prisons. They're not detention facilities. We don't have security guards. Um, They're really you know, trained um, in some ways to try to redirect people and try to note um, uh, triggers. So if you know certain things will happen, but it's very difficult to manage that within in these settings, especially in some of the larger facilities where you have, you know, large units of people. Um, And a lot of these people really don't have the ability, don't have the training to manage someone in the middle of a an assault. So, you know, if you have a personal support worker they're usually women um, and they may not have sort of that physical strength to prevent something from happening because often the people who are involved in especially if they're residents they may in fact be quite strong and and they don't have the training or the ability to stop an attack once it's happened
1: if if the legislation and there's there is now this advocacy to change the legislation to make long-term care homes safer that seems to be a simple solution that when you have mobile uh potentially aggressive dementia patients on a floor that you would have security guards in place to deal with physical violence
3: well you know the issue of whether or not you want a security guard in a, in a long-term care home it's your home and so having security guards it creates its own problems um, and so sometimes the issue is whether or not you need you know I would rather not have security guards I would rather have properly uh, trained people who are health professionals but with a better um, uh, ratio of staff to residents because I think you can redirect people I think that you know except for some very severe cases which probably should be in mental health facilities mm-hmm. that people could be redirected I don't think we want to have a bunch of security guards around that creates a whole other level of problems that I think that um, could be an issue
1: okay uh, I take your point because they're not person, you're they saying they're not trained properly to deal with the patients no
3: they're not right. health professionals either um, there are certainly some facilities that do have uh, security guards in them um, it's not, a, you know, not that it doesn't happen anywhere, um, but I wouldn't certainly don't want, you know, security guards on each floor. It becomes more prison-like, and I think, you know, we're trying to get away from that. We need to have smaller units, more staff. Um, you know, if a person is an issue, you know, one of the things that um, has happened in this case was that they were said, well, you know, they'll just have to go back to the same unit with the person. That's quite problematic. That person, they shouldn't be interacting anymore. Um, and we need to be able to solve those problems.
1: 416-360-0740, 866 we are talking about safety in long-term care homes. Helen in Toronto, go ahead. You're on Fight Back.
4: Hi. Uh, there were three incidents with my mother, the fir- and they were all with the same male. The first time he she had just arrived, not very long, and he came in and hit her in the head. The second time she was walking to the dining room, he punched her in the chest. And the third time, what happened was he was getting into her room as uh, they were going to take my mother in to change her. And the PSWs formed a human chain to get him out and put my mother in. Um, As a result of these things, I don't take a lot of things lying down.
1: Uh Oh, we've lost Helen, unfortunately. That was... uh a good call. And, uh, you know, I guess it, it proves the point, uh, Jane, that this is going on maybe more than we realize. Oh, we've lost Jane. Do we still have Helen? Okay, I think we've lost Helen as well. Um, You know, and this is the kind of conversation that uh, we need to have to see about the resources in uh, Ontario long-term care, how perhaps they can be uh, redistributed so that we are addressing the aggressiveness and the mobility of some patients with uh, dementia. And as we all know, and we're all following along in the news, we are an aging society, And the number of people with dementia is going to be growing uh, quite uh, intensely and severely in the years to come. So... It's preventative in some ways to deal with the future influx of dementia patients, but it's also today a very much an issue that we've seen not only from the case of James Acker, uh, whose daughter Tammy Carbino is updating us on his situation, but like Helen in Toronto. she's. Uh, are you back with us, Helen? You can finish yes, off I that am. story for us.
4: Uh, I'm back. I didn't want to leave it in the middle of the story. Um, What they said that they could do is have a one-on-one. What that is, is somebody follows this patient about two feet behind, uh, no, more than that, three to four feet behind him, and he's allowed to continue going wherever he wants to. I was visiting one day, and his follower looked at me and pointed to the other hall. In other words, let's go around the other hall. He's coming up this way. Um, I had a meeting, (coughs) excuse me. I had a meeting with the staff, Mm -hmm. and they said, oh, we're going to have to report this one. I didn't realize they don't report everything. Uh, At that time, uh, he was moved to... I I said, like, there's no no two ways about it. That guy doesn't belong here, and he's got to be moved. And they moved him to a hospital, um, and after that, to some other long-term care home. But what I'd like to... um, what I'd like to hear go into whatever they're going to be doing is that this following a patient is no good. You can't run fast enough to stop them. And this guy was big and strong. Mm-hmm. So, and this
1: is, this is not unlike the situation with James Acker.
4: Right. But uh, thankfully, and it's a dementia ward, and it has to be a locked ward. I mean, my mother sees the door open. She's going to go for a walk. Right. Um, and I just don't feel that this, if, if I had been like 99% of the people and just talked to the staff and not taken it further, um, I would not have gotten the results. They would have brought him back in.
1: And how has your mom been since then?
4: But she doesn't even remember, them. Well, no. The incident. But, no, nope, she's been, and they absolutely love her because she's one of those happy patients. She doesn't scream or cry or complain. Uh, she's always wanted to give them hugs and kisses, but that's because of me
1: (laughs) well and and this is the thing we have to be an advocate for our own loved ones as well
4: right and uh since then i have they've changed the person who runs that unit um and she and i came to a quick understanding of what my expectations sorry what my expectations were and that i don't play games like that's my mother you don't like it you're going to hear from
1: me. Okay. Helen, thanks for your call. Really appreciate you weighing in on this. Okay. Take care.
0: Bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.